Chapter 13 of Carpenter's Geographical Reader, Asia, by Frank Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Business Among the Koreans. Education. Our travels this morning will be in the city of Seoul. A Korean who speaks English acts as our guide. We take chairs for one part of the journey, and for others dismiss our coolies and ride about on the electric streetcars. We go through the wide avenues which cut the city in quarters, and spend some time wandering about the side streets. We start out early, and for the first hour or so find the town full of smoke. Each of the huts has a chimney, which juts forth into the street about two feet from the ground. The people use straw for fuel, and the smoke is now pouring forth, for all soul is cooking its breakfast. It makes our eyes smart, and we have to look sharp to keep out of the way of the porters and others who are going to the markets at the foot of the chief business street. We follow the crowd and soon find ourselves near the gate through which we came into Seoul and at one of the busiest places in Korea. Here are thousands of men in all sorts of costumes buying and selling. There are booths devoted to rice and others in which corn, wheat, and barley are sold. Some of the market men have fresh fish from the sea, and some sell beef, mutton, venison, and all kinds of game. We see many fresh vegetables, and not a few peddlers who have baskets of red peppers before them. Little boys go about selling candies, which they carry on trays attached to their waists by ropes over the shoulders. Other little ones have chestnuts, which they roast upon pans of charcoal and sell piping hot. Many of the articles in the market seem to us very curious. Eggs, for instance, are sold by the stick, ten being laid end to end and wrapped around with long straw so tightly that they stand out straight and stiff. A stick of ten eggs brings five cents. Among other odd things are the tobacco pipes, most of which have stems as long as ourselves. To have a long pipe is a sign of a gentleman. It shows that he has a servant, for he cannot reach out to the bowl with the pipe stem in his mouth, and therefore must have someone to light it. And then the brass bowls used for cooking and eating utensils. They shine like gold, and are among the most beautiful wares in the market. See that man in the white gown and black hat, with those wooden clubs piled up around him? They look like baseball bats, and we wonder if our great American game has not come out to Korea. We ask the guide, and he tells us, that the club here holds the place that the flat iron has in America. The family washing is done in cold water and dried on the grass. Each garment is then taken into the house and wrapped around a stick. This is then laid upon the floor where one or two women squat down before it and pound upon the cloth with these wooden clubs until they make it as smooth and as glossy as could be done in an American laundry. Our guide points to his own gown of snow white and says it was ironed that way. As we go on through the city, we hear the song of these ironing clubs. It is a musical rat-tat-tat, which may be heard at every hour of the day and during the greater part of the night. The clothes are ripped apart before they are washed. It takes a long time to iron them, and after that they must be sewed together again. So you see, the Korean women have plenty to do. Leaving the market, we walk through the crowd up the street until we come to a little temple which contains the great bell formerly used for opening and closing the gates. 
this is the business center of the native city the streets surrounding it being thronged with merchants and peddlers with dandies and loafers from sunrise to sunset the stores are wide open and the merchants sit inside them wearing white gowns and black hats most of them smoke as they wait for the customers running in from the streets here and there are little bazaars or covered alleys in which are more stores the merchants sit cross-legged on ledges in front and bring out the goods from behind as the customers order they seem in no hurry to sell and are content to smoke and chat if no buyers come they do not like to sell much to one man for they say if they should dispose of all their goods they could not keep open their stores there are many small shops scattered throughout the business streets there are sections devoted to the making of furniture and especially to the brass-bound cabinets for which these people are famous we find many stores where jewelers are working and some in which men are carving seals for every korean has a seal in order to stamp or sign any paper he writes in addition to its native shops seoul has now many japanese stores the japanese are opening mercantile establishments in all the cities and they do much of the business they control to a great extent the exports and imports and collect all the customs from them we learn that the trade of korea is growing and that it now amounts to some millions of dollars a year the principal exports are rice beans cowhides and cattle and also gold and coal the largest gold mines of the country are owned by americans who were the first to mine here with modern machinery but suppose we visit the schools they have been greatly changed within recent years and those most common today are much like the schools we saw in japan the children have uniforms and each boy has a little brass badge on his cap which marks the school to which he belongs the boys wear their hair short instead of in long braids down their backs and the girls have no veils which is contrary to the ideas of the older koreans the government school buildings have furniture like ours and each has its gymnasium where the children play and exercise every day the koreans are intelligent and most of the girls and boys are good students the japanese are building roads everywhere they have railroads and telegraph lines connecting all the chief towns and have established post offices they are also improving the harbors and building lighthouses along the coast the capital is now lighted by electricity and one can telephone from there to chimolpo and other towns daily newspapers are now printed in seoul and the people are alive to the advantages of the new civilization the japanese have long felt they must have korea as it is so close to their country that it might form a good place for any other nation to send in an army to fight against them this would be especially so with the chinese or russians whose possessions are not far away for this reason after the russian japanese war was over the japanese insisted that they should have control of korea and it is now a part of their empire they appoint the police and really govern the country they have built several great barracks at yongsan near seoul where a large force of japanese soldiers is quartered leaving the capital we make some trips here and there over the country passing through thousands of rice fields and now and then skirting the wilds into which we dare not go after dark for fear of the tigers we stay at night at korean inns where we sleep on brick floors half baked by the straw fires of the flues which run under them 
we travel on ponies and spend much time in the mountains we visit the copper mines and the gold mines and then go to songdu and pingyang two large cities the scenes of which are not unlike those of seoul from pingyang we take the railroad and travel northward through much beautiful country in Wiju on the yalu river we are now on the edge of manchuria and ready to enter the great world of china End of chapter 13